So why does a family office uh, exist? Why do people want a family office? They really are looking for not only more control, but they're looking to design something that serves them specifically based on the amount of wealth they have. If you walk into a Bank of America down the street here and you're worth $200 million, they'll be happy to manage their money, your money. They're not going to tell you to go and find a family office, but they're going to design a game for you that's good for Bank of America and they believe is good for you to the extent that their structure allows but when you allow someone else to design your game board, they're probably collecting $200 every time you pass go versus you designing the game that's right for who you are and what your strengths are and what you want. So there's three types of family offices. Um, there's, I wanna get that slide out so people aren't reading it. I'll, I'll explain this. There's virtual family offices, which are very lean, uh, small, single family offices. And they outsource almost everything and they wanna keep their expenses low, but have the functionality of a family office. There are single family offices, which could have a couple of employees or five or 10 or hundred plus employees. This could be for someone who's uh, worth maybe 50 to hundred million, the hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. Um, and then there are multifamily offices, which are like wealth management firms focused on the ultra wealthy who are really targeting people where they're worth seven, 10, 20, $50 million plus and serving 10 of them or 200 of them as a multifamily office. And that's important to know because at the multifamily office, what you're getting that's custom is they know about the problems of people worth 10 and $50 million. They know about uh, multi-generational planning, hopefully. They know that tax consequences can be big on transactions and capital gain tax might be something that you're worried about if you just had an exit. They are, they're familiar with all that. So it's customized to who you are as an ultra wealthy person. But a single family office, you can build it the way you want to build it. If all you want to do is invest in laundry mats. Uh, and then outsource your wealth management in the public markets to a multifamily office or a banker that you trust, then you can build your whole single family office team just to acquire dry cleaners. And everyone on your team is dedicated to that. If you go to a multifamily office, they're going to have all different types of experts there. And you might not donate money to anybody on an annual basis, but they might have a philanthropy expert on staff for $300,000 a year. And that gets paid by the fees you're paying to that multifamily office. If you run your own single family office, there's no fee you're paying to a third party. It's your own organization that you've created for yourself. So the costs are only the costs that you want to have there. So there's trade-offs on both sides. So that's important to understand. Um, if you want to design your own, I mean, to design your own game that you're going to play with the family office means that you need to look at what you really want. Like is your purpose and your desire to maximize adventure in your life? Is meaning, is it to grow to 50 million net worth or become a billionaire one day, create fun memories with your extended family? Um, is it maximizing your health? Is it doing fun travel? Is it all the above? And, um, you know, in city slickers, you know, Krusty here uh, was telling Billy Crystal that the secret of life is one thing, but he can't tell him what that one thing is. And if you figure out what your family stands for and what you're trying to do and what you're trying to get done, then you can design your own game around what that one thing or the most important things are for you. And we're going to give you some exercises and things to go through for this, but this is really important. Um, if you mess this up, then everything you do is going to be built in the wrong direction or it's built because somebody else sold you on a plan that maybe is sort of good for you, but also is really good for their business model. So you just have to be careful with that and make sure you start from where you want to go and then find things that fit your, your puzzle piece that you're, you're looking for versus the other way around. I think we had a question come in here. Yeah, from uh, Kylan, do multifamily offices generally start as an SFO and then grow to serving multiple families? Uh, great question. Um, 
No, they don't generally do that, but they do often. So I'd say probably 15 to 20% of multifamily offices start as a single family office. They build all the infrastructure and then some of their friends or colleagues say, hey, can you manage my money as well? And they say, no, we don't want to. It's not what we do. And then enough people keep asking that they say, oh, okay, well, actually, I guess all my overhead could be paid for. And now instead of paying 600,000 a year or 3 million a year to manage my single family office for myself, all my clients can be paying for that. And the benefit of me managing all that chaos is I, I'm not out the two or 3 million a year. So that would be um, something to keep in mind. Most people that start multifamily offices were in the wealth management business, and then they went upscale or they were a CPA or a trust and estate advisor or a tax attorney. And then they got together and created the multifamily office structure. If anyone else has questions, feel free to let, let us know um, in the room or virtually. Here's some reasons to start a family office and why people would like one. Um, peer family office access, superior deal flow, reducing fees and taxes overall versus just going to a retail wealth advisor. They might charge you 80 basis points or 1% on your wealth. And then all of a sudden you have a, an exit. Um, typically they're not going to proactively come to you and be like, oh, now that you have 90 million instead of 9 million, we're going to lower your fees to 40 basis points. They'll let you cruise along at 85 basis points and just collect that larger, um, fee from you all the time. But you can go back and renegotiate and say, I'm like an institutional level account now. I only want to pay you 25 basis points. You know? And by the way, we have three quotes from others and it's going to be a little bit of a hassle to move the money, but I know that that's what the market is. So that's what we need. So that's an example of how it would reduce fees. Um, aligning your team and reducing chaos of working with someone who's not really aligned with you. Um, attracting capital partners. Um, if you have your own family office uh, and then showing what you've done in the industry and your own capital source, you could co-invest with other families and then creating uh, a family office dashboard, which we'll show an example of later. Here's a question from Mark. Have you observed a general range of overhead costs for an SFO as a percentage of AUM? Yeah, so that's a good question. So you have to remove the cost of whatever investments you decide to do because you might go into fund managers that have a a two and 20 and maybe negotiate them down, but those costs will exist no matter who you go to. But um, for a single family office, um, many times they're hiring one full-time professional to help manage it for every 30 to 50 million in AUM they have, but that can vary greatly. If you have an operating business with a really powerful CFO who's been with you forever, uh, and then the rest of your um, assets are really outsourced and you're just acquiring companies under your one holding company that your CFO and your CEO are great running for you, you don't need as many dedicated SFO staff. Um, but many times around uh, 1%, maybe all in, could be your single family office cost. But the idea is that it would be far more effective than spending you know, X amount of basis points with somebody else. And no matter how good of a single family office you build, you'll always need some banks and multifamily offices for some things. If you didn't make your money conducting due diligence on commodity trading advisors and hedge funds, you probably shouldn't be trying to do that internally or you're going to need uh, banks for leveraging debt, uh, for currency exchange, for hedging deals, uh, for international transactions, perhaps. So even $10 billion net worth families use banks and multifamily offices for some slivers of what they do in, in almost every case. 